I'm here with a couple of legends. <laughs> I, I hope I'm saying that with the appropriate sense of awe and reverence that these two legends have earned. Um, very few players are as well-known, well-respected, and well-liked as these guys. Carl Howarth and Drew Beck, you're with us. Guys, great to see you. It's great to meet you face-to-face. Um, how are you guys doing? Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having us on, Josh. Yeah, thanks a lot, Josh. Yeah, we're doing well. Just finished training, so we're a little tired. All right, on. Um, so let's get right into it. So um, as we speak, Atletico Ottawa is top of the table, and I'd love to get your thoughts you know, right off the bat on just how you feel about how the season has gone so far. Yeah, I don't think we can really argue with anything at this point. Um, you know, we have we started really strong, a um, couple of bumps along the way, but um, I think first and foremost, what we've been able to do is kind of establish an identity as a team um, and implement sort of a, a successful team culture um, that everyone can get behind. And, you know, it shows our, our, our lineup changes week in and week out, um, you know, formation changes quite frequently, personnel changes, and we're still able to play the certain, um, you know, level or, or brand of, of football that we've done all season. So a uh, huge credit to the staff, you know, whether it's the technical staff or front office of bringing in these kind of guys and bringing in coaches to implement that. Um, yeah, I don't sure if you had anything else to add on that. I think I summarized it really well. We started in in Spain, and we did we did a lot of work there. We had to do a lot of work, and we did. I think it was double days for a month straight, and hard on the bodies, but it was good to, as Carl said, implement an identity. That's the first step in uh, a foundation, and um, it's easy to forget we're only six months into this this project, and we want success to happen right now. We're seeing some success. But can you su- sustain that success? And uh, that's what we're working on right now. Okay. Now, you guys have a history with the city. Um, you know, Drew, you had spells with the Fury, both with the PDL and the NASL. And I mean, Carl, you were with the Fury for its entire professional existence. Um, Mr. Fury, right here. And now you're back with Ottawa, with Atletico. So you guys have kind of a neat perspective on on the pro sport in Ottawa that not many people have. So something fans in Ottawa, like they always talk about as like the benchmark, right, is is the Fury of 2015. Um, and as good as that team was, I think what they mean usually when they talk about it is, is that one game, like the semifinal against Minnesota that puts you guys through to the soccer bowl, you know, with that dramatic goal with Tommy Heineman. Um, so that was a soccer moment that Ottawa has never like. We, we we never had that before and we haven't and we haven't gotten back to those heights and uh, i want to get your thoughts on like what like what are your memories of that game and like are they still vivid or or are they kind of like a blur now um i remember well i remember it quite well uh, it was snowing to start the game it was, it was quite cold um yeah that ball that Cindy played over the top i think to um to Heineman and the way he finished it on the pretty sure it was left-footed kind of half volley that's right, yeah. Our yeah. post. Um, I was right behind him when he when he did that, and uh, the celebrations were were chaos. You know, the close to ten thousand fans there in the stadium. It really was kind of peak um, peak performance from probably the on field um, performance, and then also the fans. You know, the way they got behind that team. Then, um, you know, not just in the moment, but leading up to the playoffs. You know, we went on a really good run going into playoffs, and the fans got right behind us and really urged us on and and, and pushed us to that the, those next heights. Um, so yeah, I really really clear moments of that being right behind Tommy when he struck that goal and seeing the whole crowd just erupt was uh, yeah a pretty special moment. 
Yeah, I, I echo that. I remember Tommy scoring. I think he was cramping in his. He had a groin cramp, and so his celebration was kind of. <laughs> he was hobbling behind the the back net there, uh, uh, and and Carl was running after him. That was really exciting. So that's what I remember. Uh, I think I was warming up at that time, so they came and celebrated with us. And yeah, just exciting. The the roar of the crowd when that happened. Uh, it'd be really nice to replicate that again. Well, yes. Like I said, you're back in Ottawa now, and it and like I think it's fair to say that this is the best professional team that we've seen since 2015. So you're trying to get back to those heights. Um, can you tell us, like, for each of you, like, how did it work for both of you coming back to Ottawa? Like, how did that happen for each of you? Joe, you want to go first? I guess you came back before I did. Sure. Um, I was I was in a strange moment. I was in between clubs. I had I had an offer to to go somewhere that I was excited about, and, and it fell through. And so I, funny enough, I got a, a direct message on my Instagram from the club. <laughs> so that's a funny, uh, funny caveat of, okay. of that. Um, and I spoke to Fernando uh, on the phone and he was really excited about the project uh, and, and told me all about Atletico Madrid and, and the, the founding of the club, what their, their projections were, what their goals were. And he was really ambitious. And I said, well... I want to, you know, go back to Canada again. Do I want to start, not start over, that's not the right word, but rebuild another project because we've done that a lot. Carl's done the same thing. Um, and it's, it, it, you get to be older and you say, what, where is my, where's my niche? And that's kind of been my niche in the career is, is starting with new clubs and starting new projects and helping them get off the ground. So I said, all right, this is uh, one of the few options I have at the moment. What do I want to go back to USL? No. Do I want to, you know, do other things? So this was really exciting. And I knew it was going to be something that was for the long term. And and it, it's worked out great so far. You know, yeah, last year was a bit of a hurdle, but you got to go through those things to, to get to where we are today. And um, I'm glad Carl's back to help with that. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, um, for me, it was, uh, I guess, the way my time in Ottawa ended initially was, uh, was a pretty sad moment, I think, obviously, personally and and for the city as well to see soccer come so far over those six years with Fury, you know, NASL, USL, um, the the fan base that we developed and maintained throughout that time, um, you know, kind of seeing that all go out the window, with, uh, you know, sitting there in that press conference when they're breaking the news that the club's folding and, and they're selling the club to another USL franchise um, and not really seeing a path forward for soccer in Ottawa professionally. Uh, it was tough. Um, so then for myself, I, I had a, a few offers um, on the table and chose to go down to Indy with Martin Rennie, who I'd spoke to in the past when kind of contracts were up. So I had a good good couple of years down there. Um, had a tough second year when I was injured and was battling through some stuff. But um, as soon as the opportunity came to come back to Ottawa and, uh, you know, help help build this this program you know, have that sustained success again that Drew spoke about earlier. Um, you know, it was a no-brainer for me. My my fiance is from here as well. So coming back was an easy decision. It was just, just about, you know, making it work and finding something that worked for both the, the team and myself. And yeah, super happy to be back here and even more excited to see where soccer is now, you know. Um, the support with the Capital City Supporters Group has been incredible. Obviously, you got the Bytown boys still around. Um, and a lot of loyal, loyal fans and supporters that keep coming back to games. And then a lot of friends and family that I have in the city where, you know, they've never really been to a soccer game before, seen soccer, 
um, they're obsessed with it now. Um, so just kind of those casual conversations um, having with with friends when maybe normally you're talking about hockey or, you know, CFL, what's going on there. Uh, now it's it centers around soccer and how the team's doing, how the Canadian national team's doing. Um, so it's just really cool to see how how much it's grown over the past couple of years while I've been away. I want to touch on a point that Drew made, um, you just about how, you know, I think when, when there's a project, you know, um, whether it's like a new club or maybe like a rebuilding club, you know, people often think, oh, that's that, you know, it's a hard job for the coaches, but it sounds like it's actually taxing, uh, you know, for the players to, to go into that situation too. Is it, is it actually harder um, to go into, you know, a project where you're building something rather than, uh, you know, hop into a club where, where there's an established culture and uh, you're kind of joining a ride that's in progress? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't know. It's a tough question. I would say probably um, it's maybe a little bit more difficult to go into something where you have to build something and kind of create the culture and the identity um, from the ground up. Um, but I think the way it's worked out here, you know, with an entire new staff coming in at the same time as a, a lot of new players, um, you know, we we're all coming on board at the same time. So we were able to kind of figure out between us, which is the right direction to go in, um, what works, what doesn't work and, and kind of hash it out together and, and figure it out with a staff and player kind of synergy. Um, Drew could probably speak to what it means with a new staff coming in when the players are already there and how difficult that might be. But in terms of the new players that came in this year, coming in with the staff and helping to build something, you know, with a few of the players that were in place as well beforehand. Um, yeah, it's certainly difficult, but I think maybe makes it easier from our pers perspective coming in at the same time. Yeah, arguably, it's the same as any kind of business. If, if there's a a takeover business and there's a new boss and there's new rules in town there's there's different things there's an adaptation period that you go through and because we have so many new players and staff it was a little bit different than maybe other projects because we were starting all together yeah there was four or five of us from last year but um with the the great additions that madrid has you know put with the club and the renewed investment um, and, and, and there's pressure to win, right? So those those ingredients create um, uh, an atmosphere where we we need to win, and it helps accelerate the process. But as Carl's gone through other projects, myself or anybody else, it takes time, and there are key stepping stones that you can't jump uh, to get there. And we we say we want to be at X when we haven't gone through. A through B and C, all those those steps. And you only learn those through experiences and making mistakes. What I, I do credit the club is that they really listen to the players and what maybe we need. And some of the older guys are saying, well, from a player's perspective, this wouldn't be great because of X, Y, and Z. And uh, they're listening to that. And, and it's really paying dividends on the field uh, to, towards our success. And if you said today we'd be in this position after how many games we played now? We have eight left, I think. After 20, 20 games, 21 games, 21 yeah. games, it's, uh, yeah, we take it. We take it, obviously. Um, and did I, did I have those expectations? Yeah, probably to be in this position, but was it a reality? I, I didn't know when we started this project, but with Carlos and the staff and the amount of people we have to succeed, it really is, uh, impressive. Okay. So the reality is that Atletico Ottawa is a brand new club, but for fans, it feels a bit weird 
um, because the city actually wasn't without a club for more than a few months. Mm-hmm. So from your like from your perspectives, does Atletico feel like a continuation of the Fury or like a, a continuation of the legacy of the Fury? Or does it feel like, no, like that was the Fury and like this is Atleti and they feel like very much separate clubs? Yeah, I'd say it, it certainly feels like separate clubs. Um but I look at it as kind of a continuation of growing the soccer landscape within Ottawa, um, you know, from going away and coming back. And I'm sure Drew being away for a few more years and coming back, seeing some of those same fans that we had out at Algonquin College back in the PDL days that are still out here, you know, supported the Fury all through the different league changes, supporting now Atletico Ottawa. It's the same people and supporters that are in and around the city, in and around the team. Um but yeah, certainly two two different franchises. You get that feeling. But in terms of the um, the support, it's it just seems like a continuation. We're building on all that foundation and groundwork that's been put in place by you know people like like John Pugh, you know, who's tirelessly worked to to grow soccer in this community. Um, you know, tons of good um, youth programs throughout the city as well um, that have all grown and um, you know meshed well with the with the pro sports here as well. So. Um, yeah, that, that's how I see it. The, the largest aspect that I've seen is more of the gra- grassroots part where we're having, now we have our own program through Atletico Madrid. We're identifying players, developing players for the future through Atletico that they have in the system in the pipeline. I don't think that ever existed before. I know Fury had connections with local clubs, um, but I don't know if there was, say, a, a sheet of paper where kids are coming in and having their own training with with one of our assistant coaches, Kwesi. Uh, there's there's guys included in on training. We did have that in the past with the Fury, but I don't think the the model of play or the model of development was the same. The NASL was a completely different league. It was a wild west. It was <laughs> very you know very very high quality players uh, that are you know the top sided players, and and the whole aspect of the league was very high. Um, not to say that CPL is not that, but it's a different it's a different vibe. And so, uh, what we're building now is we want to win, of course, but it's a league for the future to uh, make our our national team better, uh, to make our younger players have an opportunity to play in their own country, which didn't exist for Carl and I growing up. It was either MLS or nothing. And then, luckily, we had the NASL. Um, but at the time, these kids can have a a goal that's right in front of them, right? That they can manageably task to get there and say, I, I want to play for Atletico Ottawa because I went to the games as I was growing up. I can play on the same field. That's tangible for me to get to. That never existed before. So I see that as a different. I don't think in the Fury I got that feeling, maybe because I wasn't as I wasn't older now. As I don't have the same experience, but I feel it's more tangible now. So that's the biggest difference I've seen. Okay, so you're kind of touching on like the new development programs. So it sounds like you kind of see that as like a really important part of what of uh, you know of what Atletico Ottawa is doing. Right. If you're, just, if, you're uh, if you're 14, 15, 16, and you're a top player in the Ottawa area, you're going to be known to Atletico Ottawa. Whereas I don't know if I felt that way with Fury. You know, with having okay. Antoine Copeland come in, uh, that was great. That's a great success story, and he's he's going to continue to be a great player. But now we're building for the future where there's, okay, if I don't, you know, maybe Atletico Water doesn't have me in, I can go to Halifax or I can go to Winnipeg or I can go out to, to Victoria. There's there's tangible ta- uh, goals ready right in front of you that you can achieve that I didn't see when I was that age, you know, 
It wasn't, I didn't see a pathway. Now there's a pathway. Okay. So um, I did receive a few fan questions that I'll sprinkle in here and there. And one was, you know, you both came back to Atletico Ottawa, but that also meant joining a new league in the CPL. Uh, so if there was one thing you could change about the league, what would that be? And you can't say the quality of the officiating because I don't want you to find. <laughs> so I'll say it and you guys can say something else. <laughs> uh, you got something? I got to think for a sec. Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, change about the league. Ooh, I was going to say if it could be more accessible to watch games um, throughout the country. I know that kind of goes against the whole one soccer thing, and I, and I get that. But um, that's the, probably the biggest complaint that I've seen out there from supporters is that it's kind of behind a paywall. And for uh, sports to really grow and excel um, in this country, I think once it's broadcasted, you know, coast to coast, every province, every local market, and it's just more accessible to watch. I think then you'd really, really see like people buying in, adopting soccer as their sport and kind of really taking that to that next um, next level. Um, not to say that one soccer doesn't do a good job, because I think the branding and the production quality that they do is is fantastic. You know, it's better than anything I've I've experienced. So it's it's no, you know, hit against them. It's just making it a little bit more accessible to the casual viewer. Um, that'd be my thing. I agree with that sense that the marketing the league and you know when everybody gets up in the morning, myself included, I'll throw TSN on and there's there's highlights of the games that were the night before. If you just see that in passing, like oh Canadian Premier League, Atletico Auto versus Forge, and there's a you know a great exciting game, people see that they might not recognize it at the time, but they hear it, they hear it. This is marketing, right? Um, and I know that that again is is uh, contractually not allowed at the moment. And they've done a lot to, to create this league. So we're very grateful to that. But yeah, that'd be one thing I think. Um, if I could change about the league, probably to, if we can start to increase um, the salary caps in certain areas where, uh, and I know there's a, that's more money generated, needed to have more generation of money, but uh, creating, keeping more players in the league, right? I know we're selling players off in this league, blah, blah, X, Y, Z. But if we want to keep good players and good product, we've got to be able to compete with other teams. So I think that the fan support this year, especially from the supporters groups, um, it's been kind of taken up a notch. Like, what have you been seeing that's been different? Like, have you guys been like hearing the new songs or or like what's that experience been like from the players perspective? Yeah, you can tell that everyone that comes to the game now, they're completely engaged with the game. You know, they're cheering when we want to tackle, when we want to throw in, you know, different aspects of the game that, you know, otherwise in the past wouldn't necessarily have been celebrated um you know it, it used to be a lot more casual kind of family friendly um atmosphere where people are just coming you know on the weekend for for something to do see a game cheer when the ball goes in that's it have a good time but now it's from the moment they step into the stadium to the moment they leave um everyone's engaged you know the supporter section is has grown exponentially um it's infectious i think a lot of people get kind of pulled into that environment um so yeah it is is, it's a lot louder we feel that um and like i said just engagement throughout you know the casual fan all the way up the supporters everyone's you know really attentive and and knows what's going on maybe more educated uh the best example we can give is when they came to the york game right they organized spending their own money spending their time 
to support us. And that's, you know, our product in the field is important for success and growth of the game, yes. But those aspects are arguably more important um, because we're bringing in maybe fans that didn't know about the sport, fans that, uh, you know, had watched it on TV but never experienced it in person. And for them to travel that long uh, and give their weekend, which is their off days, to come and support us, we felt that immensely. And that's the best example we can give. But especially in the stadium, it's been electric. It's been electric. And when we played against Edmonton and there's fans on both sides, that makes a difference for the players, especially when people show up early and there's a warm-up and there's some music going. It, it really gets the energy going and it makes a humongous difference. I know people won't be able to feel that side of it, but it really does. It really does. Um, should Wally the Dinosaur be Atletico Ottawa's mascot? <laughs> What's that? Wally Should Wally the Dinosaur, the dinosaur oh, be Atletico's new mascot? Absolutely, man. I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I don't know if there's any other uh, mascot that would be better, right? So let's do it. He's there at every game. He's, he's committed. He, you know, spending his time coming to see us. So why not? There seems to be like a like a inflatable thing culture growing in uh, in the section W. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that stems from that beach party theme we had earlier on in the year. Yeah, you know what? That's yeah, yeah, maybe. Eh? It works. It works. Okay, so one reason that I wanted to get you guys on together, um, uh, you know, not only have you both been with the Fury, but um, you also taken on these assistant technical director roles with the Gloucester Hornets. Um, so in practice, like, what does that mean that you're doing with the Hornets, and and how did that come about for you two? Yeah, so we this stems back to um, I guess all of our off seasons, you know, in years past, I would um, and Drew as well had come out a few times to train with Gloucester Celtic, the men's team in here in the city. Yeah, um, that's you know historically been very very successful, um, even nationally. Um, so just getting to know that organization through those guys, you know, really good people um, that are all motivated in the right ways for grassroots soccer. Um, it was a no brainer when the opportunity arose to kind of get involved with that club. Um, and so I took on that role in 2019, um, obviously had to leave the city with with Ottawa, um, getting rid of the franchise and then coming back, you know, rekindling that relationship and pulling Drew on board as well. Um, it's been a pretty good experience so far. And in terms of our role, we're there to sort of guide the the technical staff and help the coaches a little bit more with um, the framework, how they structure sessions, um, you know, setting an identity for the youth club as well and how they want to train, how they want to compete and abiding by kind of the grassroots stuff through Canada soccer as well. So, um, we're there just to kind of push that in the right direction, help out those um, those coaches, but then at the same time, be there, be that connection between the grassroots soccer in the city and professional soccer in the city. Um, you know, for them getting to meet people that play professionally, who they go and watch on the weekends, you know, on a Tuesday night out of Gloucester. Um, I'm sure it's pretty, pretty special for them. And, you know, for Drew and I growing up, we never had anything like that. Um, like Drew alluded to before. So to be able to give back in that way has been pretty special. Um, and I hope it's reciprocated throughout the club as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's our general role with the club. It's also for us to learn how a club uh, runs uh, on the financial side, on the um, organization side. And, you know, we're also um, 
doing training sessions through session planner. Uh, we have training phases throughout the year that we look at week to week that'll help give the coaches something to read and really digest to say, okay, how can I make this? This is my framework, but how can I make this my own? And because that's what the kids connect with. I remember my coaches all the way up. Everybody remembers their coaches growing up from these key ages. Um, and what I think Gloucester has done well now is through the four through sixes, they've had the highest uh, enrollment that they've ever had. And that's where it all starts. That's the four through sixes enjoying the game. And you, they may just be running around, tackling each other and kicking the ball, and it may not be as productive. But you create the culture through the parents coming in. They're enjoying that. And, you know, hopefully the kids will stay in that club for, for the rest of their um, for the rest of their careers as, as they develop. And then that, in, in turn, brings in higher quality players because they're staying in the system. It's Ottawa's own player. He played at Gloucester Hornets. Now he plays for Atletico Ottawa. Creates more fans. These type of things, these connections, that's why we got involved. But mainly just to learn how a club works and functions and to have something that has experience on our TV that we can uh, use when we retire. Like, is coaching something that you guys both see as the next step after your playing careers are done? Yeah, I think it's just the natural um, transition, um, but kind of all trying to figure out our um, our avenue and which way to, to go. Um, you know, some people might thrive in an individual or small group setting, whereas others might, you know, uh, flourish taking a youth team and developing them, you know, that group of players throughout their uh, development. Um, so it's just getting the experience, finding out where you fit in and the landscape um, in this country in terms of soccer and um, progressing. Um, yeah, it's something that I can certainly see myself doing um, after playing is, is getting into coaching, you know, full time. I'm similar. I don't know what capacity in which uh, uh, I'll be in the game, but I, I foresee myself being in the game long term. It's just a it's not a career where you say, oh, now I'm going to go be a plumber. It just it doesn't correlate. I think yeah. uh, the I, I'll miss the team aspect. I'll miss the, the dressing room, uh, the, the talks before the games, the video chats too much to kind of leave the game. And if you could make another career out of coaching, I don't know. I, I don't think at this point I, I want to be a head coach yet. Well, especially not right off the bat. I have, I have so much to learn. Um, you only learn so much as a player. Uh, but you, you're getting to understand how you would be as a coach, and then you'd have to surround yourself with the other aspects. Um, and, and that's a whole other line of conversation. But Or I, I may be on the front office side where you're helping identify players, sign players, do international transfer certificates, um, work with agents, uh, negotiate contracts. I, I don't know what side I'm on yet, but I, I enjoy both. And this is just another, with Gloucester, another way to see how that stuff works. Um, so before we go, I do just have a few quick questions. Um, you know, you guys have known each other for quite a while. So I wanted to get you two to answer a few questions about each other. Uh-oh. Yeah. Right. Um, so like when guys arrive for game day, you know, you'll see pictures like videos of, you know, you and your teammates walking to TD place in your street clothes. And some guys look like they put a bit of extra effort into their outfits on game day. Um, how would you describe each other's game day fashion? Oh, Carl, Carl's much better than I am. Yeah, Drew's quite self-aware. I'd say, Drew, if he's not showing up in a Capelli shirt, then I'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not showing up on a game day in a Capelli shirt. I have nice clothes on. No, no. I Drew's, college shirt. Drew's got a nice range. You know, some days he'll show up in like a full suit looking looking pretty dapper. And okay. Then, other days, maybe a little dressed down with uh, 
some suspect choices, but he's, he's all over the place. He's tough to tough to really nail down. Yeah. Carl's more business casual or um, not so. What's the next level right below? He's got the stat. He's got the style with the the nice tennis shoes and the smart and casual. The, yeah, smart casual there with the jeans and a, a cool t shirt that I wouldn't know where to get. So <laughs> <laughs> that's. <laughs> But yeah, my my range of clothing is is not uh, his is more specific. Um, so when baseball guys choose like a walk up song for themselves, is there a walk up song you would choose for the other? <laughs> I would choose "Never Walk Alone" with Carl because he hates it. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's decent. Um, yeah, that's good. Drew would have to be some sort of like tropical house type song. He's really big into that. Oh yeah. Vibe, yeah. Okay. Kind of low key. Yeah, he's got his own his own vibe there okay what movie or show have you seen lately that you would recommend to the other i just watched uh what did i just watch the uh the new thor that was pretty good yeah check oh is that good yeah really good really funny so it's just uh yeah it's a fun watch um it's hilarious i forget the uh the rock character's name um wow what's his name korg or something like that but that guy yeah okay hilarious yeah it's a good watch yeah it was Unfortunately, Carl and I are with the, uh, together all the time. We're, yeah. the, we're in the same room, so we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, and I, I'm not so much into the Marvel stuff, so uh, he he just stays away that for me. But uh, I, Top Gun Maverick was yeah. a phenomenal movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, what else? I'm trying to think of a show. I'm just I like I like Archer. This show on Netflix is <laughs> well, it's on FX in the states. Probably not uh, audience appropriate, but it's pretty funny. Right. For my audience, it's probably fine. Yeah. For your audience, it's very, yes. Yeah, yeah. I find it very funny. Um, okay. Uh, last question is just for Drew. Who sends the better cross, Carl or Janine? <laughs> I can't compete with that. <laughs> Carl. Oh, wow. Okay. But he's got, how many sisters got off crosses this year? Yeah, get them out. Yeah. Probably not as many as your sister, but. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I'll take it. No, I love Janine. Totally. That's recent. I, I just don't guys. like when, yeah, when when the men and women's game is compared, it's, it's totally different. Uh, I love both sports. I love, but it's just that it's hard to compare the games um, that way. Yeah, I think for men, you got to put it such in a pinpoint area. Um, not to say you don't have to in the women's game, but the athleticism makes it harder in the men's game. And, uh, Sometimes that turf is very, very dry. And so you have to adjust for that. And Carl's adjusted well. So based on where I've been around more often, I have to say Carl for now. All right. Make sure Janine sees this, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will be a, a, a source of controversy at Thanksgiving dinner, I think. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, that's all the questions I got for you. I'll say it again. Thanks to the legendary Carl Howarth and the legendary Drew Becky for joining. Um, any message you want to give to Athletic Ottawa fans before I let you go? No, I mean, we just got to thank them for their, their efforts all year. Um, the support's been incredible. We truly feel that it really does help, uh, you know, tough moments and tough games. We hear them behind us. Uh, it really pushes us on and we look forward to seeing them out uh, this weekend. Yeah, we're, we're not done yet. We haven't achieved uh, what we want to yet and uh, we need them more than ever to achieve that.
Once again, that was my chat with Drew Becky and Carl Howarth. Make sure to get your tickets to catch them and the rest of Atletico Ottawa this season and hopefully a playoff appearance. And remember, if there's anyone you want to hear up here on this podcast, professional players, university players, League One or below, you know, coaches, pundits, drop me a line on social media or on email and we'll see if we can get them on. There's no Patreon or anything to plug. Uh, This podcast is free, but I would love it if you like and subscribe where that's possible and share this pod with your friends. For this episode, my name is Josh. This has been the Step Over Ottawa's Grassroots Soccer Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you.